Lead me to some soul today. Oh, teach me. Welcome, everyone, to episode number 19. If you can believe it, number 19 of a series of episodes called Leading Others to Christ. During these episodes, our focus will be on evangelism. We, ha we have a lot of goals, actually, uh, with this project, but, but the main one is to revive us again, if you will, to stir us up, to stir us up to love and good works, but especially in the area of reaching our friends or family or neighbors or co-workers with the gospel of Christ. My name is Dan Barker, and I preach for the Creekside Church of Christ in Franklin, Indiana. And for those of you that don't know, Franklin, Indiana is about 20 miles south of downtown Indianapolis. Those of you that know me know that I'm, I'm passionate about leading others to Christ. I'm passionate about evangelism. And I have been ever since uh, I was taught and obeyed the gospel when I was 21 years old in, in Owensboro, Kentucky. I've always been striving to teach others, uh, to sow the seed, to be a fisher of men. Uh, to make disciples and to teach others to teach. And I've been using this passage uh, in every uh, interview so far, and I want to do it again today, where Paul was teaching Timothy and talking about this very subject. And he says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, And the things you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men, obviously and women, who will be able to teach others also. So I came up with this idea of doing interviews to find Christians, men and women, that fellow workers, uh, those who are actively working, those who are reaching and leading others to Christ. And once we've identified them, to interview them, to learn more about them, uh, who they are, where they are, how they are doing their work, and hopefully we can, we can learn. We've learned so many things already. Uh, and quite frankly, the response to this podcast has been a very exciting we're getting a lot of very positive feedback all over the country. Today, we are excited to have with us Dempsey Collins. Dempsey works with the Fayette Church of Christ in Lexington, Kentucky. Good morning, Dempsey. Yes, brother. Glad to be with you, and thanks for the opportunity. Well, of course, we, we were, Dan and I, my wife and I were able to see you this past Sunday. We were there in Lexington for uh, the wedding of our granddaughter, Kaylin. And we were able to uh, come to services there and, and got the opportunity to hear you preach. You did an excellent job. But it was, it was good to see you. And, and we talked a little bit about uh, the podcast. Uh, but I really appreciate you taking the time to do this uh, interview with us today. Yes, uh, yeah, I appreciate uh, in like manner your efforts. I've known you and, and uh, your family for a number of years now. And uh, as you pointed out, your passion for uh, lost souls and all souls, but I, I, I'm so grateful that you share that Acts 2020 vision, and you try to go from house to house as well as teach publicly, and I'm, I'm very grateful for your efforts, brother, as well. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for that. <clears throat> I put it in my notes here, and I don't want to forget this. Be sure and tell Dina that Gay and I said hi. Don't, don't want to mess up e that. Easy enough. I'll even give her a hug. <laughs> Appreciate that. Um, as we've done in the other interviews, uh, and you, you've probably heard this from the past, uh, people call it the old elevator pitch. You get on an elevator and you go up 10 floors maybe in a building and somebody says, well, what do you do? What do you do for a living? And uh, so we've been calling this the elevator pitch or the bio. If you would, Dempsey, take a few minutes here and tell everybody 
you know, just who you are, where you were born, a little bit about your past and kind of bring us up to date. Yes, I'd be, I'd be glad to. Um, I'm Dempsey Collins. I began um, devoting myself fully to preaching and teaching in 1976 after Dean and I were married in May of that year. We began working with a group in St. Joseph, Missouri. We were with that group only about a year, but there were 20 souls baptized that year. And um, many of them are still faithful. Two of them are now serving as elders at one of the churches in St. Joseph, Missouri. From there, we moved to Boca Raton, Florida. And um, again, by the grace of God, saw many souls saved there, built their own meeting place, became self-supporting, moved up to Indiana for about four years after being four years in Boca Raton, Florida. And um, uh, had a number of really good experiences there, met a lot of good people. And that church continues to grow and thrive. You may know of the group in Jamestown, Indiana, Dan, but um, they've got, um, I believe, three, if not four elders there now. And then from there to St. Peter's, Missouri. And uh, in St. Peter's, uh, by the grace of God, we grew, expanded the building, began a work in Southeast St. Charles, Missouri, and then four years later started another work, by the grace of God, outgrew the building. Uh, in uh, Wentzville, Missouri, and Dean and I went with that new work. We were with it for a number of years and um, uh, until a phone call to to go to Columbia, Missouri. But uh, in any case, when I left that work, uh, there were four elders. There's now two elders there in Wentzville, Missouri. But uh, that's a little bit of the background there, and and, uh, I appreciate you asking. Well, sure. Uh, I learned, I didn't know that you had spent some time four years in Indiana. So see, I learned, I learned that today. Um, yeah. I probably know uh, a number of the same folks that you're, oh, I, you're meeting. I, I guarantee you we do. Uh, that's been one of the, the real blessings for me with doing these interviews. Uh, about half of the people of the 19 so far, I uh, knew from the past some connection, but the others, I didn't know them. And uh, so it's been great to, you know, make some new contacts and start some new relationships and, and we've learned yeah. a lot about a lot of people. Uh, you know, uh, uh, just uh, just to, to get us going here, on let, let's back up a little bit. Did you grow up, and I'm going to use the phrase, did you grow up uh, in the church? Uh, when, when did you obey the gospel, and who taught you? My mother uh, was a Christian, uh, you know, all of my life. Uh, she was a faithful servant of the Lord. My dad was not. Uh, he didn't care much about those kind of things, but my mother was very strong. She was rock solid, and it's mainly her good example, unwavering example. Uh, she did know the Lord, brought up in the church uh, by her grandma. She was raised by her grandma, and uh, so it was a lot of her rock solid example, just Joshua type character. Uh, as for me and my house, uh, we will serve the Lord, and and that's the thing I remember the most. And uh, probably she's been, um, there've been two godly women in my life that have been the most influence on me on this earth. And that's my mother. And, and of course, Dina, my wife. And as Paul Earnhardt would say, she's three fourths what I'm worth. Uh, <laughs> but in any case, uh, the godly women in my life have made a huge difference as far as uh, the right kind of focus. Yes. I was uh, brought up at least knowing many, many truths and a lot of that, my mother. Well, that's uh, that's great, and uh, 
that's one of the things that we want to do too. Uh, this these interviews have gone so fast; it's hard to believe that we're number nineteen. But but I want to interview some women too, uh, Dempsey, and that because there's a lot of a lot of our sisters out there that are leading others to Christ that can set up studies Amen. with people that you and Amen. I can, and uh, and they they need to be recognized, and we need to learn from them, and the others uh, the other sisters out here need to learn from them as well. Um, yeah, amen. Uh, what about this in your in your life? Um, has there been anyone? Uh, I'm sure there probably has been that we would call it that it was a mentor to you, somebody that maybe kind of took you under your uh, under their wings and uh, and helped uh, teach you and motivate you uh, to be an evangelist. Yeah, it's a good question, brother. And no one person in particular. There have been numerous men early on that I admired because they were evangelistic. Grover Stevens was one of them, but no one person in particular. Uh, early on, I uh, just understood, and I was brought up in a time period when I believed brethren were much more evangelistic, and that kind of caught on with me. And so even before I began preaching, I had a number of Bible studies with people in college, would go door to door and uh, try to set up classes. And so it was just a part of being a disciple. And, and as you know, Dan and uh, brethren, you know, we do this work because we're Christians, because we're disciples of Jesus Christ, not because we're a preacher or, or a deacon or an elder. It's because we're disciples of Jesus. And I don't believe there's any other option. In some capacity, on some level, we need to be evangelizing. We need to be saving the lost. I, I think it's all a part of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so no one person in particular, it's just early on, that was uh, a part of uh, my understanding. It's a part of being a disciple of Jesus. And um, when we went to St. Joseph, Missouri, I was just as green as green could be, didn't know much of anything. I knew it was right to save people. And so uh, those poor people suffered through those sermons that I had during, during that time period. <laughs> but during the week, uh, I, I uh, set up numerous Bible studies and, and uh, had that opportunity. And I just found preaching provided more opportunity to do that. And, of course, my schedule was more flexible. So I, I basically saw preaching as simply uh, another or a better opportunity to do the evangelism and and um, didn't have a really good organized schedule back in that time period. And uh, now figured out a few things as far as uh, structure and schedule. But in any case, uh, that's, that was just early on my understanding of being a disciple. In some way, in some level, we, this is something Jesus wants us to do. Yes, and uh, that's going to tie into my next question. Uh, but I, I think you've just touched on something that's part of the motivation for doing these podcasts. For what, and I don't want to be negative. I'm just talking about reality. Uh, in a lot of mm -hmm. places, Dempsey, and you know this, in a lot of places, the work that we're talking about doing, uh, the, this work that we're talking about during this interview, it's not being done. And, uh, yeah. and it's, it's disappointing because there are congregations that are closing their doors, they're shrinking, no new people are being reached in the community. And, uh, you know, it, it, you look and you go, well, what has happened? You know, what has happened here? And that's why we want to, you know, talk about this more is to, you know, like you said, uh, you grew up during the time when more people were involved. And, and uh, I'm just totally convinced that we need to get these juices going again, if you will. Amen. You know, and uh, so that, that kind of ties into, uh, you answered a little bit already, but you know, the why question, why do you do what you do? 
why is Dempsey Collins so motivated to be involved in, in leading others to Christ? Yeah, I'm just a blade of grass in a big yard, a grain of sand on a big shore. Jesus is the master teacher. He's the only hero here, and uh, but I'm a disciple of his. And as a disciple, I look to him. He's the perfect teacher. He's the master teacher. And so as I look at, uh, you know, teaching like John 4 and him going to that Samaritan woman and so many, many lessons to learn from that, I see, you know, many principles as far as the individual time he took, even though his, his schedule is so tight. You know, he only has a three and a half year window to do all of these things. And uh, he, he speaks to the crowds, but often takes time for a single individual, a woman, a Samaritan woman. And when you look at that example of how he took time for the individual uh, and no one's busier than uh, he was uh, that says, well, I can take time for the individual. I don't have to have a building. I don't have to have a pulpit or a crowd of people. Uh, the individual is very important. And uh, I just I look at Jesus and how he, he would be in the most ordinary situations. Again, he's the master teacher. And he would make, he would manufacture opportunities out of ordinary situations. We sometimes think we've got to have an audience. We have to have a building or a meeting or something before there's an opportunity. And Jesus, you know, he's walking all morning long. He's hot, he's tired, he's thirsty. He wants a drink of water, takes an ordinary situation and makes an opportunity out of it. I learned that from the master. Uh, he starts this conversation always thinking spiritually, spiritual water from physical water. He's always thinking of giving people hope in that situation. He knows her marital situation, but yet he talks about living water from which if you drink, you'll never thirst again. And that, that's so encouraging to see how he gave this woman whom he knew was um, in sin, in, in terrible sin, and yet he gave her hope before he launched out into this, this message. He, he was very plain and simple in the message that he taught. And here's the thing that I think especially gets to uh, your point about what's going on among brethren today, and that is it, it has to be sacrificed. We have to get out of these comfort zones. And a lot of people don't do it, Dan, simply because it's hard work. And, and it takes sacrifice. It takes time. And, and you look at Jesus again, you know, he's, no one's busier than he was, yet he takes time. He sacrifices. He arranges a schedule. You know, whatever he needs to do, you know, that's what he's going to do. And he does it long term. A lot of people, we baptize them, but we leave them to drip dry in the baptistry. This is a lifetime relationship we have now. We can't run out of gas. And he, even after they become Christians, there's this follow up that has to go on. And it may be a lifetime. They don't feel a part of the group yet. They don't feel a part of the family. They need to know what kind of shows to watch on TV and what kind of conversation, what kind of recreation. And so you'll have to be around them outside of the building a great deal. Again, that's sacrifice. That's time. That's uh, getting out of, you know, those family situations that maybe you're more comfortable in and making opportunities with this new Christian. But there's there's a lifelong follow-up that a lot of people just don't want to do. But uh, these people have baggage. We all have baggage. They have tremendous baggage. They have maybe some uh, bad habits they've fallen into, and it's going to take a long time to get out of them. Well, they need you 
to help them see what uh, being a Christian looks like. They need to know what love and faith look like on a daily basis. And so even when people are being baptized, my concern is we're, we're not staying with them. We're running out of gas, and we don't want to put in the time and effort it takes to help them grow in the Lord. And so a lot of groups are dying because even if someone's baptized, they don't last. The follow-up's simply not there. But, and then, you know, with Jesus, again, you see him, he's going to the lost. He's not waiting for them to come to him. They do sometimes, but he's, he's the good shepherd. And he, he leaves the 99. Oh, we love those 99. You know, we love them. But he leaves them. They're safe. They're doing well. And he searches for that one sheep that's lost. Again, it takes work. It takes time. And we've just gotten very complacent and lazy and uh, somewhat apathetic about this work. And maybe even some are thinking, well, people won't listen. And they've got this idea of suspect more than prospect. And uh, we've got to think in terms of, you know, we don't know that. We have to give them a choice whether they accept it or not. You know, it's not our decision to make up their mind for them. They need to make up their own mind, but they need a clear choice. And it's up to us to give them that choice. And again, it takes work. It takes faith. It takes prayer. And uh, we've just gotten too comfortable, I'm afraid, in our society. We're spoiled, brother. We're spoiled. We're way too comfortable. And uh, we need to wake up. And uh, we every every Christian on this side of eternity needs to be concerned about every soul on this side of eternity. And and there's there's things that someday, you know, we'll have to answer for if we fall into complacency and apathy. That's a long answer to your question, but hopefully it's some help. No, I, that was great. And uh, because I'm writing notes here as, as fast as I can, because you touched on so many bullet points there. What was, I'm going to go back to that one little cliche that you used there. Leave the leave the brother or sister to drip dry in the baptistry. The, this the visual that you give with that. You know, I, uh, a couple of follow up things that I want to share is that uh, you know I've talked to people before and just asking questions. Well, you know where you are. Do, what kind of a I don't know what you might call it. Is it a, do you have a new converts class? A new life in Christ class? Uh, and you know what, uh, Dempsey, I've been surprised of how many that look at me and go like. I've never been anywhere where we had that, had anything like that. Yeah. And it's like you bring home a new babe and it's like, you know, you expect them to sit, what, sit them on the, on the car seat or something on the table and say, well, good luck. Hope, yeah. hope this works out little baby, you know, not, and I'm not being facetious, but it's like what you said yeah. there, it's just bringing up the thought process of like what, and maybe that's what it is. We're not thinking. It's like, what are we doing? And uh, there mm-hmm. is work, fellow workers, personal work. I mean, it's work. Another thing that you said there, just wanted to touch on, you know, you were talking about in, in your bio there, the different places that you've been and how many years you were there. And and you made that point that Jesus, the work that he did in three, three and a half years. And it, you yes. go, you go, oh my, you know, <laughs> look, what have I done? What have I done in the last three and a half years? You know? And look, look what Jesus did and look what his focus was. So just so many yeah. things that you touched on there. But yeah, wake up. I've got, I've got your book. I mentioned this the other day. Of course, I'm going to hold it up. But anyway, your personal evangelism book. And I was looking through it again uh, this morning. And we, we don't have enough time. But just so many topics that you have in here, Dempsey, are just so good. And one of them I wanted to share, and I've shared it on a couple of interviews, but on page seven in your book, you got a copy of a, 
newspaper article that was in the Owensboro, Owensboro, Kentucky Messenger and Enquirer. Uh, it was on Saturday, April the 30th, 1960. But this, this article uh, was on, uh, in the newspaper and it was titled, The Growth of the Church of Christ in the U.S. Has Been Tremendous. And the, and the mm -hmm. focus of the article was talking about that the Church of Christ is uh, one of the fastest growing churches in, in America. And, and, and you look at that and go, you know, again, back to what we said earlier, what has happened. But one thing I thought was just so ironic, it was on Saturday, April the 30th, 1960. April the 30th is my birthday. And on that day, yep. on that day, I would have been 14 years old and knew nothing yeah. about, knew nothing about what the church and, and all these things that we're talking about, but I just, I just thought that was good. But, you know, but to, just to trigger a couple other thoughts real quick of uh, uh, one place that you had in here uh, that we have been mm -hmm. one to win. We've been saved to serve. Mm -hmm. that just, just a few little words there, but what does that trigger? What thought does that trigger? Well, I, I think uh, with just a few minutes remaining there, I would just, people would, would say, well, how do I get started? You know, yeah. um, what method, procedure, and all of that, and and I would just, you know, of course, prayer. You you can do more than pray after you pray. You can't do more than God, so you start with prayer. And so I would just urge them to get to it, get specific, write a prospect list, and that's one of the things in that journal there, is make a a prospect list and get specific, and uh, just. You know, I go through that prospect list and ask people, would they like to have a Bible study? You'd be surprised uh, the number of people that may be positive in response and just people say, well, what do you say? You know, how, how do you approach them? And, you know, OK, here it is. Would you like to have a Bible study? You know, there it is. And, uh, some, you know, sometimes people say, well, yeah. And then you can, you know, go with your times on that. But uh, just just get to it. And, you know, when I first started, I got run over like freight train at times. I didn't know, this, you know, very much. You just go ahead and start though where you are, uh, where they are, rather. And, and you talk with them and you see where they are. Are they believers? Are they atheists? Are they agnostic? Are the, do they think the Bible is the word of God? Jesus, son of God. Figure out where they are and start where they are. And then, uh, you know, begin uh you know your your search of the scriptures with them but uh and I, I would just urge them also don't give up too soon offer just one study how about one study i have begun many a class by simply saying well how about we just do one study and if you don't like it you won't hurt my feelings that'll be it and i'll be gone but just one study give me one opportunity there and you met you told me a story the other day of uh, of how that worked for you you know just give me one hour and that's exactly right. That's that's another option that we don't take advantage of uh, enough. Um, offer a study based on the family. Many a person, I've seen God save many a person where it started out as simply a family study. A lot of people, that sounds appealing to them to have a family study. But if even if they don't want the individual structured class, maybe a correspondence course, invite them to the assembly, of course. Uh, invite them over to your house for a meal. Get to know them a little better. A lot of times they don't really care what you know until uh, until they know that you're you know you're interested in them. There's a relationship there. So uh, all of those things are just other options that we have after they say no. There's life after no, and life changes as you know. You keep in good relationship with them, 
And so six months later, lost a job, a health issue. You know, maybe they'll look you up, but you just, you know, from time to time, keep in touch. There's other options even after they say no. There's life after no. And so you move on, but you keep maybe praying for that individual and keep their name handy. So uh, I, I know you're about we're about out of time here, Dan. So yeah. I'll I'll be quiet here. No, no, no. That's so. Uh, yeah, so many of these interviews. It's like, oh man, it's, I wish we could go longer. Yeah, we could look how long we could talk about life after no. I mean, it's just uh, so many things with that. Uh, is there a now? You've already done the one thing because you've you did a good job on that of how people can get started. Is there maybe one conversion story in, in your past that you, you'd like to share with us about maybe a unique the way it was set up or is there anyone like that that you'd like to share well the thing i i really really uh, look back on with uh, great joy is uh probably a, a young man who who uh, was first baseman in a little league baseball team my son was on his name was alan hillier and um alan was a really quiet boy but uh, a good good-hearted young man and uh, but in any case, I coached that team for oh four years maybe, and uh, went on with life, and and so did those boys. They went on to high school, and they grew up. And later on, Alan, when he was oh probably twenty three, twenty four years old, he called me up and uh, said he was thinking about getting married, and he remembered our family, and that he'd like to have a good good spiritual family and so would would i study the bible with him and so you know that's manna from heaven and so i said yeah yeah sure alan let's let's do that so we set it up and and uh alan hillier that that little league first baseman became a christian but he remembered something and and uh, so the the point is i guess if i would choose him is you know you work the soil with your example. You people, what can I do? What can I do? Well, you can work the soil and you've got to break that soil. You don't want to sow that seed until you break the soil and you have to have a good example. You can't share what you don't have. You know, you can't give hope you don't realize. And so if you have that hope and it's real to you, you can't lead people where you're not willing to go and they see you going there and they see real hope and they see what you have. You know, even if, if it's not in the present, Later on, they may look you up. You know, they're going to remember you. You're solid. You're real. You have something that they don't have. There's a void in their life that that you have filled with Jesus Christ. And that joy is something that they're going to remember. And so Alan was just, you know, one example of, of how uh, later on he wanted that joy. He wanted that hope that we had. Well, you know, just... Uh... You know, just to think about the fact that you uh, took the time to coach a little league team, you know, that, that's getting involved in the community. And, and if, just think about what if you had never coached the team? You may never have met Alan. He may have never, he may never have uh, met your family and, and see that good example. So there's a lot of what if. What if I had never done this? Or what if I had never done that? And uh, so I'm so glad that you coached that team. And uh, and had a chance to meet Alan, and it led to just the joy that you mentioned there that's involved with this whole process, and it, and it is a process. Look, yeah. uh, we are out of time. Uh, I thank you so much for doing this, and, and uh, we're going to have to have a follow-up to this. But uh, let's say that somebody wanted to, you know, they've listened to this interview, and they really like what they heard from Miss Dempsey Collins, and 
is there contact information if somebody wanted to reach out to you? What's the best way that they could reach you, Dempsey? Yeah, brother, thanks. Uh, they could simply call me, uh, Dempsey Collins, 636-293-5832. And uh, yeah, let's talk in whatever way we can. Let's, uh, let's get together. And uh, one other question on, I don't know, uh, uh, I know you said you put this book together a long time ago. Would, if somebody wanted a copy of this book, is there a way, are they available? Or uh, what about that? I, yeah, I have a few of those remaining. It's been retyped through the years uh, by different individuals. And so if they wanted to uh, contact me, I'd be glad to put it together and, and um, send them a copy. Okay, well, that, that is great. So, again, just uh, isn't it amazing how fast uh, 25 minutes goes? But uh, really great to see you uh, this past Sunday. And uh, Gay said to say hi to you as well. And appreciate the, the fact that you're there at, uh, at Fayette. And we're praying for, uh, for, for the work there as we have for a long time. And just keep up the good work, brother. Uh, I know how hard you work. And, uh, and keep trying to stir people up that are around you keep leading others to Christ and, and uh, let's help motivate each other. Maybe see, that's another thing that comes out of this. I, I need, I need Dempsey to be a Barnabas to me and hopefully I can be a Barnabas and encourager to you uh, to keep us all going. Because like you said, sometimes we get run over and uh, we need somebody yeah. there to pick us up. But uh, thank yeah. you. Once, thank you. Once again, one last thought there, I'll give it to you. One last thought. Yeah, I would say, um, you know, start with prayer, but go ahead and, and just ask that person. You know, oftentimes we're thinking about it, but as, as uh, the wise men said, cast your bread on the water. You'll find it after many days. Go ahead. Trust in the Lord. This is just one more area that we need to trust in the Lord. Go ahead and ask them for the study. And even if it's, if it's not you doing the study, uh, ask someone you have confidence in, and you, you can be in the study with them and learn from them. But uh, stop putting this off and just go ahead and, and make the effort, and you will gain greatly. You will grow greatly as a result of it. So, uh, all right, brother, thank you for the opportunity. Well, thank you so much, and uh, Lord willing, we will see you soon. Thank you. All right. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. God bless you, brother. God bless you. Melt my heart and fill my life. Give me one soul today.